It's the most serious bumper music here on Newsmax, and so it should be for a combat veteran, former fighter pilot, my good buddy Greg Kelly, who is having a much-deserved extended Christmas break. So I'm in the chair today. Greetings. My name's Sebastian Gorka, and do we have a show for you tonight? First things first, here's some good news. They know they can't win. The crazies, the left, and it's not the Democrat Party, because the Democrat Party, they wouldn't even let the likes of JFK in there today. They've been taken over by the radicals. The radicals who um, have overstepped the mark so much that former Democrats, liberals, have started to wake up to the fact are you a podcast fan? I love talk radio. I have a daily show called America First, three hours a day, Monday to Friday, with my buddies on Salem. But I do enjoy the odd podcast. Amongst the universe of podcasters, there's one giant called Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan has the globally most popular podcast there is. And a man who signed a rather lucrative deal with Spotify when they bought his back catalogue, He's no fan of Trump. In fact, until recently, I think he might have changed his eye, uh, view on this. He refused to have my former boss on his show. But even recently, he said, after what Biden's done to this country, yeah, he's going to vote for 45 so we can make him, God willing, if we do our part, 47. But it's not just big podcasters. It's the most insane of the left. There's an individual called Michael Rappaport. He was a, you know, small-time Hollywood actor. And in the last seven years, he has said some of the most disgusting things about President Trump, his family, and anybody who voted for him. Yet after what happened on October the 7th, this is what Mr. Rappaport now believes. If it comes down to... Donald Trump and smoking Joe Biden. I'm sorry. I am sorry. Voting for P Donald Trump is on the table. I'm sorry. That guy had serious Trump derangement syndrome. And now Michael Rappaport said, uh, the world is on fire. I'm going to vote for President Trump. And here's one more i got to share with you. There's another great podcaster, if you're not familiar with him. His name is Patrick Bet David. He has a knack with a relatively new podcast of getting some of the biggest names and some of the people who um, think they're big names. Chris Cuomo, who was fired from the mainstream lying legacy media, maybe because he just hates President Trump too much. Well, listen to what he just said on the Patrick Bet David podcast. In terms of who I'm going to vote for, I would really have to see where we are at that moment in time. Uh, and So you're open to a Trump vote? I am always open. Excuse me? Is that Chris Cuomo? Open to voting for President Trump? Wow, wow, wow. What's the establishment response? They're not giving up. They are desperate. The left knows they can't <clears throat> win in the normal fashion in an election. So what's the latest news out of Colorado? Stunning. 
the Supreme Court without hearing a case, without President Trump being charged of quote-unquote insurrection under the 14th Amendment, let alone convicted of insurrection, they've said, no, nope, sorry, you can't vote for the man who was the president. We're going to pull his name from the primaries. And this is the most insane of all. They've said a bureaucrat in Colorado has added to that Supreme Court decision that you're not even allowed to manually write Donald Trump's name in the ballot. Why would that be? Because they know they can't win. Let's put it into a fact pattern. What have we witnessed in just the last few years from Alvin Bragg in New York, who campaigned on putting President Trump behind bars, to Fannie Willis in Georgia on that very strange what was it, Monday night, 11.30 p.m., press conference against President Trump, to Jack Smith, the deranged special prosecutor with king-like powers, independent of the Department of Justice, to Judge Chutkan, that's managing the Trump January 6th case, a woman who, hard to say this, worked at the Flex Bosner Law Firm for 12 years, where Hunter Biden was her colleague. So she's investigating Donald Trump, the leader of the opposition, whilst the president's son was her colleague. Can you say conflict of interest? Or whether it's back to New York with Judge Engeron, the man who believes that Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million and who's bringing a case of what? defrauding the banks when President Trump paid all his bank loans back and there's no victim in the case. All of this together is a sign that they're desperate and they know they can't win. But we have a year to go, so what should we expect? Let's talk to the man whose legal counsel President Trump trusts. He's a truth teller extraordinaire. He's a brave man. Jesse Bernal, welcome to Greg Kelly Reports. Dr. Gorka, thanks for having me. I'm no lawyer. Uh, in grad school, I did study international law, which I thought was a lot of fun. But did I use that phrase properly, that legal phrase of fact pattern, all the way from Alvin Bragg to Angeron? There seems to be a, <clears throat> a certain desperation on behalf of the establishment to stop President Trump. Yeah, that's right. You can also call it a modus operandi uh, among the left of trying to use prosecutors and left-wing judges trying to use their position in order to have a, a political outcome rather than a judicial outcome. It's, it's very, very dangerous that we find ourselves right here because our country was founded on the rule of law. And we're supposed to have uh, judges that when they put on that black robe, they put aside their own personalities, they put aside their own personal interests, and they just judge on the law. And we very clearly now have a situation where that is not happening. And it's even worse for prosecutors who take an oath to do justice, to seek justice, not convictions. And instead, they're yeah. seeking to disqualify Donald Trump because they know that they have no chance of beating him at the ballot box. They have to try to beat him in the courtroom. Can, can I ask your opinion, your professional opinion on what we witnessed last week? The idea that black-robed judges in a seriously split decision said that a private entity, the GOP, can't choose its list of candidates by themselves. I mean, is that not unprecedented in U.S. history? 
it is absolutely unprecedented in, in U.S. history. Um, you know, you, you go back uh, for, you know, over 150 years since uh, this amendment was, uh, the 14th Amendment was adopted, and it was very clear all along that, um, that the, the people who wrote that amendment, the founders of the 14th Amendment, had very specific things in mind for when someone would be disqualified, and that it would, it would require a criminal conviction. And for a while, there was a criminal law on the books um, that would apply to that. And you can still theoretically also charge somebody with insurrection. Of course, Donald Trump hasn't even been charged with that. The only uh, finding um, uh, regarding insurrection in Donald Trump was the, you know, the the fake impeachment round two in 2021, where Donald Trump was vindicated again. He was acquitted by the Senate. And so they want to completely skip over the due process aspects that are the rights of all Americans, including Donald Trump, um, and just decide that, you know, with, through a, a railroaded process that, that he's guilty of of insurrection and that Coloradans should not be allowed to vote for Donald Trump. Absolutely unprecedented. The last time that we saw an issue where states were were kicking people off the ballot um, was when the Democrats did it in 1860, um, the election that Abraham Lincoln uh, uh, won. And I don't think we want to go back to, to that precedent. Yeah, let, let me just reiterate the, the very uh, wise thing Jesse just said. The last time the Democrats tried to remove a presidential candidate from a ballot uh, was 1866, and that man was the first Republican president, Abraham Lincoln, and what resulted a civil war. We don't want a civil war, but maybe the Democrats do. What is your expe expectation, Jesse? Will I mean, when you have the likes of Trump haters like Meghan McCain, uh, Peggy Noonan saying the Supreme Court has to stop this insanity, if they're saying it, is your expectation that this will be slapped down nine to zero? Um, you know, I'm not going to guess what the Supreme Court is going to do. I'm, I'm a smarter man than that. But what I, I will say <laughs> is that I, I, the, the, the legal arguments here are overwhelming in President Trump's favor. Uh, you know, for instance, the, the 14th Amendment doesn't, it, you know, specifically exempts the president, um, you, you know, from even Section 3, that the part where you're disqualified. It specifically leaves out the presidency. But let's get yeah. past all the technicalities of the 14th Amendment, and let's just look at the facts. Let's look at, at the, the fact that on January 6th, President Trump said that people should peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard. And then, you know, he, he told people to stay peaceful. He said that we are the party of law and order. He said to, to support law enforcement. None of these things uh, are the, the words of insurrection. It is, it is a, a, an Orwellian fantasy that the other side has come up with in order to try to target Donald Trump. And so I think regardless if you look at the facts or if you look at the law, Donald Trump is, is the clear winner here. And I, I think we have every reason to be optimistic about uh, what happens now with the Supreme Court. I have a minute left. I'd like everyone to, to follow Jesse at Binal.com and on Twitter at jbinal. That's J-B-I-N-N-A-L-L. -L. Um, your reaction to this seemingly Pythonesque, absurd decision in Washington concerning a Georgia defamation case that Rudy Giuliani is meant to pay 148 million dollars in defamation. This seems like lawfare to me, Jesse. This seems like using the law uh, for political purposes. 
Dr. Gorka, that's exactly what it is. And it's very, very sad to see the way that litigation unfolded where the judge wouldn't even let uh, Mayor Giuliani put a case on um, and was very heavy handed with a default. This is the same judge who just gave a speech saying that Donald Trump and his supporters uh, suggesting that they um, that they were seeking author authoritarianism. Um, and was the, the judge, he was uh, the chief judge, uh, both during the, the uh, majority of the grand jury investigation, during uh, the Smith investigation and the Mueller investigation. Um, and unfortunately, she has shown herself to be very partisan. And that's very, very sad for the rule of law in, our, in this country. And she obviously had it out for Mayor Giuliani as well. Jesse, uh, all that is left for me to do right now is to salute you and the handful of attorneys in America who still believe in the truth. My White House colleague, Boris Epstein, Alina Harbour, uh, everyone else who is uh, working for President Trump. There aren't many of you left. God bless you and thank you for doing what you do. And I wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. We know that they're insane, but why are they so insane? What's the truth about Trump derangement syndrome? We'll discuss that next with two of our best warriors from the swamp and also a question that got rather viral two days ago. Who should be President Trump's vice president for a second term? Stay with us here on Greg Kelly Reports. Are there some things you just don't say in politics? Some words that are too tough? Hmm. Not after what we've witnessed for the last seven years in America. President Trump used the R word several times, and he's done so at recent rallies. Here's a reminder of the, of the word that he is building his campaign on. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Why does he have to say that? Let's unpack it with two of my dear friends. They are regulars, fan favorites on my daily radio show, former U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia and former Senate Intelligence Committee staffer, Joe DeGeneva and Victoria Tansing. Merry Christmas, my friends. Merry Christmas. said I was chief counsel for Barry Goldwater, one of the highlights of my life. I knew you were going to correct me. I just, if I'm going to get this wrong, Victoria's going to make me look foolish across the whole nation. Okay, you were just the superstar of the Senate. Can we leave it at that, Victoria? <laughs> okay. Um, let's let's get down to work. We have an hour with you, usually, on my radio show. We've only got a few minutes with you here. Uh, we've been discussing this mind-boggling Colorado decision from the Supreme Court there. Uh, we have the, the image of the, the justices. This split decision, well, first, how about a comment on this, Joe, that the, the ones who dissented rather vociferously, the three <laughs> who dissented, went to the Colorado uh, University, and the four who said, yes, you've got to ban Donald Trump, I think three of them went to Ivy League colleges like Hale, like uh, Harvard and Yale. Uh, isn't that rather um, telling, Joe? Oh, it's fabulous. Uh, it's like show and tell. It's just marvelous that you could have predicted <laughs> beforehand that the, the uh, Ivy League uh, judges on that court would be the ones who 
could do something so sophomoric, so pedestrian. Uh, the ruling, when you read it, is an embarrassment. Uh, it's just, I, you can't put in words how bad it is, and it will be completely overturned very quickly by the Supreme Court when it gets there. Yes, one of the things you pointed out, the, a really good one, Seb, is that the court said you can't even write in Trump's name. But another one is they went back to the right. Supreme Court case that's, I mean, this is 100 and some years old, that said that there had to be implementing legislation. And they said, ah, that's just old. Nobody's discussed it for a long time. So we're going <laughs> to Supreme Court it. president, they just ignored it. So, <laughs> so are, are you guys confident that the Supreme Court's going to do the, the right thing? Here's my concern. I, I think the law is in Trump's favor, both on immunity and another issue we won't be talking about much, but the 1512, 18 U.S.C. 1512 misapplied charges. Um, but my concern is that the court will be a 5463, which will allow the liberals to go after them and saying they're illegitimate, as they did with the Dodd decision. I, I just don't see how any member of the Supreme Court can read the Colorado opinion which is, let me just be very clear, it is a stupid, it is a legally incompetent decision. I think if it isn't unanimous, the only, it will be eight to one, but it should be unanimous. And by the way, it should be unanimous for the good of the country. Yes, yes. and John Roberts likes right. that kind of thing. He likes everybody to be happy. So it, he should get out there and make sure <laughs> that they all vote the right way. He likes everybody to be happy except when he's uh, redefining legislation by calling uh, Obamacare a tax. Um, OK, let's talk about some viral news of the last few days. I think we might have started it on my show where you kind of shocked me and it became a big story overnight. Uh, we've got a little <laughs> clip about what you said on my radio show concerning <laughs> President Trump and a potential Veep pick. Let's just play the I clip. I know this may be difficult for some people, but the answer is quite simple. President Trump has to pick Nikki Haley to be his vice presidential candidate. He will win. He will get women voters. And he can, he can say with a straight face, if you vote for me, you'll get my second term and two terms with Nikki. It's the only way he's going to win. If he picks her, he will beat anybody the Democrats put up. Look, I want Ben Carson. I want, you know, Byron Donalds or somebody like that who's proven themselves as a fighter or a, a loyal Trump supporter for the base. And I'm just going to say what I said to you in my radio show, Joe. This is Jeb Bush in high heels. Why this woman of all people, Joe? Because she's in the marketplace and all the people you mentioned are not. The bottom line is I want to win. I want to win more than anybody else in this country. I want to beat Joe Biden. I want to beat a corrupt president, a president who should be impeached by these morons in the House of Representatives who are afraid to touch him. They won't even touch Mayorkas. But the problem is she is going to be a powerful ally for him. I, I know that some of the Trumps don't like her and they're going to be powerful influencers on her, the president. Maybe the likelihood of her being vice presidential nominee is non-existent. But for me, who wants to win, Trump wins in a landslide with her. And, and Seb, this is not being politically correct. Well, let, let, let me ask, let, hang on, let me, let me ask the boss, let me ask the boss, senior counsel to Barry Goldwater, what does the boss say? <laughs> Chief counsel. <laughs> Chief counsel. No, no, yes. we're going to say chief senior boss counsel. What does, what does Victoria say? I say it's not being politically correct, which neither Joe and I have been ever, but this is being politically astute 
You look at these poles, you see her surging. And if this continues, you know, if she goes down, she flips, she, she goes to the bottom of the list in the, in the primaries, and that's another thing. But right now, she looks like the person that he would be very smart politically to get. And it, remember, Ronald Reagan got George Bush. George Bush had been really critical of Ronald Reagan during the primaries. Yeah, and the sad thing is then he became the president and uh, I'll never forget the trick in <laughs> yeah. Kiev speech. All right. right, to be discussed over Chianti and a nice uh, vongole with Linguini. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, my friends. Please support these brave warriors at their givesendgo.com. Just look for Victoria Tansing and Joe DeGenova. Next up, what is Trump derangement syndrome? Where does it come from? Let's ask one of the most famous Democrats in America. Do not touch that remote. Newsmax shoots it straight. No talking down to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell me how to think. They let me decide. Real news for real people. So, what is the threat to America today? Is it millions of illegal immigrants crossing our border? Is it war in Europe continuing with Russia and nuclear power? Is it war in the Middle East? Is it a rising China? Or is it you getting to choose who you want to be the 47th president? Well, if you ask the mainstream lying legacy media, here's their answer. What would a second Donald Trump term look like? Well, he cannot be the next president. That means he can shoot the first lady. To make it illegal to run against him, to throw his opponents in jail, to shut down the media. He will be a king. He will make himself into the Fuhrer, and he will make everybody raise their hand and salute him. Using martial law against the American people. He wants to rewrite the Constitution. Every one of us, our freedom, our liberty, none of us is safe. He's going to have people around him executing against an enemy's list. Assassinate generals. Ordering troops. Uh, to um, attack American citizens. Trump's very well-armed and extremist base will try to kill people. We used to call it Trump derangement syndrome as a joke. It's not a joke anymore. They're saying that if you elect your president, he'll be Hitler, he'll be a Fuhrer, he'll kill generals, he'll kill people who disagree with him. How did this happen to one of our two parties? Let's ask the man who literally wrote the book, Get Trump. He is Professor Emeritus of Law for Harvard University, and he's a good friend of the show. Welcome to Greg Kelly Reports, Professor Alan Dershowitz. Well, thanks. You know, I actually coined the term uh, derangement syndrome. I coined it in a different context, about 10 years before Trump got elected, I coined it in the context of Israel derangement syndrome. I used it against Noam Chomsky. What I said is, there are people out there about whom you can talk any subject, Chomsky, about linguistics, about many things. Mention Israel, and his brain becomes scrambled. He gets Israel derangement syndrome. And then I started applying it to Trump on Martha's Vineyard, because I could talk to people on the vineyard about anything, about the ocean, about fishing. But if you mentioned Donald Trump, their brains became scrambled. You couldn't have a rational conversation with them. And now, what you showed here with my colleague Lawrence Tribe and others really exaggerating, it's a form of Holocaust denial. Because what it is, is it's saying, look, Trump is as bad as Hitler. 
Hitler can't be that bad. Trump is as bad as Hitler. Trump doesn't have any concentration camps. He doesn't have any uh, shooting squads. Maybe he will. But to make comparisons to Hitler really diminishes the horrible suffering of 50 million people at the hands of Adolf Hitler. Well, well, also, it's counterfactual. I mean, he was president for four years. This isn't a hypothetical. He didn't shoot people. He didn't have death camps. So, as you say, it is an affront to those who survived the Holocaust. It is those who suffered actual fascism. It is an insult, and it's a diminution and a dilution of all of those words. But let's jump to that topic and, and your original coining of the phrase derangement syndrome. You have a new book. You wrote it in the first incredible, what, 30 days after October 7th. Uh, it is the book, The War Against the Jews. Uh, I want to play this cut because she still has her job. The Washington Post had uh, an op-ed against her, but she's still the president. This is President Gay of Harvard University, who said that, you know, genocide of Jews, it's kind of a con contextual thing. Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. It can be, depending on the context. Now, Professor, the Washington Post says she has to go because of now the 40 instances of alleged plagiarism. But isn't the bigger issue that saying in a college that has Jewish students that shouting from the river to the sea is a contextual chant? Well, especially since she was the queen for years of cancel culture and of censorship. If you said anything negative about an African-American student or a gay student, or if you misgendered somebody, if you engaged in a, in a microaggression, there was no context. You're out. Harvard withdrew acceptances from students who at the age of 15 in the chat room said something negative. Uh, they were among the worst universities in the world when it came to free speech. Fire, this group of First Amendment protectors, ranked Harvard last. So, yeah, it is a matter of context, but the context is that Harvard goes after everybody and that President Day discovered the First Amendment and freedom of speech only as applied to hate against Jews. You can say anything against anybody and you get thrown out. But if you say anything against Jews, it's a matter of context. And remember the First Amendment. And that's why she and the whole bureaucracy of diversity, equity, and inclusion have to go if Harvard is to regain its status as a great research university in the world. It's becoming a laughingstock around the world. Tragically, I devoted 50 years of my life to teaching students, future senators, future congressmen, future justices of the Supreme Court. There was a time when Harvard was a place of learning. Today, Harvard is a place of yeah. propaganda and a place of hatred. And she is the wrong person at the wrong time in the wrong place to lead Harvard. So I'm hoping that the elders of Harvard, this special corporation that nobody knows how it gets elected, very know it exists, will realize that they have to recognize their own error. They made a terrible mistake appointing her. Now they have to make the right decision and say, you're just not right for the job. Let her resign. Let her resign with dignity. Give her a nice position as a professor of African-American studies, which is what she is. Let her continue to do her research, but not as president of the university, not as the leader of the university. Yeah, with... Uh
Despite, despite the fact that she would maintain that position with, as the only professor I've have heard of who isn't a professor of practice, who did so with just 10 published articles. If you're dissatisfied with your Christmas gifts, then I warmly recommend to you Professor Dershowitz's books, Get Trump. He invented the phrase derangement syndrome and his latest, The War Against the Jews. Can the good guys win? I'll ask a very good friend. He is very optimistic about next year, and he'll explain why. Stay with us here on Greg Kelly Reports with me, Sebastian Gorka. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. Are you an optimist? I think uh, we have to be, as Americans, by definition, optimists. I'm an optimist genetically or by birth. And um, I'm really enjoying what I'm hearing from my friends. Uh, today, I had Doug Collins, the former congressman on my radio show, saying, what a great time to be a conservative because the left, they've revealed themselves for the lunatics they are. My good friend Austin Ruse, a true warrior, has said the same thing. As Christians or as Catholics like I am, what a great time to be a Christian because evil is everywhere. And so you can fight it. You have a reason to exist. What about 2024? Are you an optimist? There's a young chap who has a superb series of channels on YouTube, and he just said, well, you know what? President Trump's going to win. Here's a little clip. Another problem that the Democrats have is that the bitter hatred for Donald Trump that existed in 2015, 2016, 2020, that softened a little bit. I've not seen the same levels of hatred coming from the general population. Regular voters just don't seem to hate Donald Trump the same way that they used to. In fact, I think that when they hear people like Keith Oberman and Rob Reiner screaming about how evil and dictatorial Donald Trump is, I actually think ordinary voters are starting to roll their eyes at that kind of stuff. But now, people are acutely aware of the consequences of having Trump not in office. People's short-term memory is entirely filled up with one nightmare scenario and one nightmare scenario only. Joe Biden has been president. We know what a Biden regime looks like. So simple, really. We know what it was like for four years under Trump. We know what it's like under Biden. There you go. He's going to win. Let's ask that handsome man to expand on it. He is the host of the Alpha Critic and the Mr. Reagan YouTube channels. He's a great supporter of my radio show. Chris Coles, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. So I've been saying this for years, and, and this is, I think, a kind of flip of what you're saying, is that their fuel, the left, they're so insane, their fuel is hatred, and sooner or later, mm. that burns you up from the inside, and ours is love, love of God, love of family, love of country, so eventually, we're going to win, right, Chris? You would think so, but the left is so good at tricking people into thinking that they're the good guys. You know, it's kind of crazy when you when you think about it. But I think a lot of people are kind of waking up now because it used to be that the left would act moderately to some degree in office, but they would give lip service to their extreme side. Now, Joe Biden has started to act in an extreme way 
and he's giving lip service to the moderates. And a lot of these more moderate leftist Democrat voters are, are sitting there thinking, what the heck is going on? We, can't, we cannot afford four more years of this. And people are actually looking at Trump, even leftist voters, even Democrats are now looking at Trump to say, maybe we need this guy to save us. Yeah, yeah. I, I think your, your prognosis is superb. I'll mention your channels again, and everybody needs to go and subscribe and watch them. But let me run something else past you today. A friend of mine whose morning radio show I always listen to, it's how I cheat, it's my show prep for my radio show. He had the temerity, Chris, to go on vacation. He had somebody else host his <laughs> show today, who I'm not a fan of. So I started just, you know, twiddling on the digital radio dial. And I tuned into this station I'd never heard of uh, with a host called Stephanie Miller. Now, she was talking. I didn't know if this was a conservative or a leftist. And she started talking about the January 6 prisoners and this mm. amazing video that I've used numerous times on my show of them singing the national anthem. I, I, you're familiar with this. It's this shocking yeah. you know, every night at 9 p.m., they're there, they sing the national anthem, they stand to attention. And this woman with her co-host was just making fun of it, was just saying, ha, 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 look at those losers singing the national anthem as quote-unquote political prisoners. I want to use Stephanie Miller as an exemplar of the left. And I didn't know who she is, and I re researched her, and I found this little bio nugget on something called radioguide.com. Quote, Miller lives in Los Angeles with her rescue dogs, Bonnie and Clyde. She has never been married and has no children and often jokingly refers to herself as a childless loser. Chris, isn't that a kind of epitome of what the left has become? Oh, absolutely. I am currently editing. I, I interrupted my editing for, for this broadcast. I'm currently editing a video of mine called Democrats Want You to Be Unhappy, Sick, and <laughs> Mentally Ill. And the reason that I believe that is because if you're mentally ill, if you are physically sick all the time, so much so that you have uh, an inordinate cost for this, uh, and if you are miserable and unhappy, these people tend to vote Democrat. There, there's been studies on this. People who are miserable and sick and mentally ill vote Democrat. So Democrats, I believe, are actively trying to make the populace more sick. They say obesity is healthy now, right? Healthy at any size, they say. <laughs> uh, they, they say mental illness isn't something that you should be ashamed of. They want more people to be mentally ill. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. But yeah, I got a video coming out about that in a few days. And I believe that it's true. These are the people that we're up against. And a lot of people are worried that Trump if won't win because Democrats cheat. But let me tell you, I think he's winning enough now that we can actually beat any kind of fixed election in 2024. So you have to vote. I, I had a very wise head of a conservative media platform who said exactly the same thing to me about an hour ago. The margin is too big that even if they cheat, they can't win. He's right. He's right. He's right. When they want you sick, when they want you ill, you're dependent on a big state. I can't wait for that video. Great minds think alike. Subscribe right now. Go to YouTube, the Alpha Critic channel, and also the Mr. Reagan channel, one of the best podcasters out there or YouTube hosts. God bless you, sir. Have a very merry continued Christmas and New Year's. Next up, who's invading America? Who's really coming across the southern border? We'll ask the men who know. Stay on this channel.
It can no longer be denied. Even Democrats, even mayors and governors of Democrat states have said, yeah, it's out of control. Biden has opened the border and we can't take any more illegal immigrants. The record figures speak for themselves. We have videos even of what? The illegal uh, migrants saying, thank you, Joe Biden, for inviting us into your country. Who is coming in? Who is affecting this invasion? And what can we do about it if, God willing, we do our part and we get a true leader like President Trump back in the White House? Let's ask two experts who have all the answers. Former Homeland Security Advisor from Sentinel Security, Charles Marino, and the President of the National Border Patrol Council, Brandon Judd. Gentlemen, welcome to Greg Kelly Reports. Good to Thank be with you. you. Thank you. So, Charles, let's start with you. Uh, this idea that this, these are all people coming from our hemisphere. These are poor Mexicans, poor people from Guatemala or El Salvador. That's a lie, isn't it? Yeah, that's false. Uh, an overwhelming majority are coming from special interest locations, known locations that harbor and facilitate terrorist activities. Uh, as far as who's coming into the country uh, with 100 percent certainty, we don't know. Uh, the overwhelming majority of people just cannot be vetted, uh, either because we cannot verify the information that they're providing uh, or they come from locations where we're just not able to vet against their systems because they're non-existent or they don't share them with the United yeah. States. So it's open season on the U.S. Brandon, uh, we have fascinating figures for deportations. Shockingly, Obama de deported a very large number of illegals. President Trump, a lower amount. And of course, Joe Biden, you know, 10% of that. The question I always have is, if we get leadership in the White House, if we secure the border, what do we do with the minimum eight and maybe 16 million who've come in in the last three years? Can these people, A, physically be found and be legally deported? The first thing that we have to do is we have to stop the current flow. Uh, we've got to deport those individuals that come in the country right now. If we were to do that, then we could free up our resources and then try to go find those individuals. Yes, it's going to be a hard lift. It's going to be a very hard task, but it could be possible to go after at least a, a number of those individuals that are in our country illegally. But until we stop this flow, even if we were to remove those 8 million people that are here, that made it here under President Biden, then we would just have another 8 million people right behind them. So we've got to stop the flow right yeah. now, take care of that issue, free up our resources, and then allow us to go after those individuals that are in our country illegally, that, that figure that you, you quoted, 8 million. And President Judd, this isn't just Biden and illegals. There's big business interests here and yes. lots of charities who want open borders. I say this with a heavy heart as a Catholic. Catholic charities is one of them. Hasn't this become just big, big business allowing illegals into America? We're actually enabling the cartels. And that's what's very frustrating about this. Anytime you release these people into the country, we're, we're, we're completing that circle, that, that smuggling circle, which allows the cartels to generate billions of dollars every single year. We're the most compassionate country in the world. We should be the most compassionate country in the world. Our God has yeah. blessed us so greatly, but we also believe in the rule of law, which is what made our country great. And if we, we stick to the rule of law, then those individuals that actually qualify for asylum will get asylum. But when you have what we're seeing today, 
all of these people that, that qualify for the protections of the United States, they're getting pushed to the back of the line in in favor of these individuals that the cartels are bringing to our country illegally. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to see that we actually act backwards rather than doing what's right by, by those people that actually need the protections. Charles, uh, just literally 10 seconds from the Homeland yeah. Security terrorism perspective. Uh, this is a very serious terrorist threat as well, is it not? Very briefly. Yes, we face more threats from more places at any time in our history. Um, and part of that is the open southwest border. Thank you, Charles Marino, and thank you, Brandon Judd, both of you, for telling the truth. It's still the Christmas season. It's a 12-day season. Did you hear what Joe Biden said about Christmas? You won't believe it. Stay with us for final thoughts. He's supposed to be the Scranton kid, right? The Catholic kid from Pennsylvania. Really? What kind of Catholic? Did you hear what Joe Biden said about Christmas a year ago? Just listen. And we look to the sky, to a lone star, shining brighter than all the rest, guiding us to the birth of a child, a child Christians believe to be the son of God. Christians believe to be the son of God? No, is God. You're no Catholic, Joe Biden, if that's what you believe. This is a war to save Judeo-Christian civilization. What are the stakes? What's your role? Check out my latest book, The War for America's Soul, with an exclusive interview with my former boss, President Trump, a man whose life is imperiled at the moment because of the left's normalization of violence. Read my latest piece at amac.us on the severity of the threat to President Trump. God bless you all. Continue to have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Keep your head on a swivel. Watch your six. Hold the line. Never give up. Never give in. And stay frosty. Now, it's the right squad.